0: A science story, huh? Is NYU a scientist? it I felt, felt I, right. Right. I so And happy. I just thought, well, well. I had figured it, out. I
1: it was that tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side.
0: Hey, everyone. I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. This week's storyteller is Logan Smalley. Logan is the director, editor, and composer for the award-winning documentary, Darius Goes West. While volunteering at a local camp for kids with disabilities, Logan met his lifelong friend and subject of the documentary, Darius Weems, a 15-year-old living with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Logan now heads up the TED education program at TED conferences. The story was recorded in October 2011 at Union Hall in Brooklyn.
1: So, I'm 11 years old. I'm in Athens, Georgia, and I'm uh, starting my first day volunteering at a camp for kids with disabilities. I'm watching a basketball game with my friend from school, who also is a camper, and his name's Mario. And we're cheering for this kid on the court who's just this gifted trash talker. He's five years old, <laughs> dominating everyone. And this kid comes over to us afterwards, and it turns out he's Mario's little brother, Darius. And so I've never met Darius. I introduce myself. He shows me the figurines that he brought to play with at camp that day. And as I'm playing with him and 20-plus miniature WWF wrestlers, (laughs) I have no idea that this kid's going to grow up to be one of my best friends. He's going to grow up to raise millions of dollars for he and Mario's disease, and he's going to grow up to inspire hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people around the world. Darius and Mario were born with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which is a genetic disease that only affects boys. You're born with the full ability to walk. Around age age 11, you're going into a wheelchair, and it's 100% fatal. It's the number one genetic killer of children in the world, with kids dying in their late teens and early 20s. So those stats and facts didn't mean anything to me until about six years later, when I found myself in a Southern Baptist uh, church at Mario's funeral the preacher was screaming about the holy ghost and the and the crowd was fanning themselves and screaming hallelujah back the drums were playing the organ was droning i look over at darius and he's using a walker now with little tennis balls on the bottom of it and he's got this smile on this on his face that i'll never be able to describe and somewhere in the middle of all this sorrow and this jubilance and the tears running down my face I think back to Mario, who the summer before had asked me to look out for Darius when he was gone. It wasn't a heavy-handed ask. It was just kind of like a, hey, look out for my brother when I'm gone. It was understood that he knew he had a fatal disease. So about six years later, uh, Darius and I were watching MTV's Pimp My Ride at his house. (laughs) And he jokingly says, we should get my wheelchair customized on that show. And it was a joke, and about an hour later, we had called our best friends, most of whom were counselors at the camp, and we had planned a cross-country road trip to go to California that was to be filmed and turned into a feature-length documentary, the goal of which was to get his wheelchair customized on MTV and to raise awareness for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, We called the project Darius Goes West, which is also what the mayor of our hometown, athens Clark County, called it. When she proclaimed July 22nd, Darius goes West Day," from the Athens Clark County Courthouse steps where we're, our send-off happened. she handed us keys to the city. She counted us down, and our big, huge, enormous RV took its first uh, roll towards <laughs> west. And uh, we actually had a police escort that took us out of town, and they let us run every major red light in town, which was <laughs> incredible. Um, we're driving along, and we get to the Athens Clark County line. The police peel off. This is the farthest Darius has ever been away from home independently. None of us had wheelchair accessible vehicles, so he was previously only able to go where the school bus took him. He's never seen the ocean before. He's never seen the mountains before. He's never been this far, uh, been away from his mother for this long. It's a three week trip. He's 15. So we're on the road, 12 strong, testosterone in the tank, just insanity. We decide it's time to introduce Darius to the great American pastime, which is the pit stop. We want beef jerky. We want big gulps. We want chips. We want everything that you could possibly want from the gas station. We pile out our RV. We're headed straight for the door. And then six inches of needless concrete took the wind out of our sails. The gas station, the very first one we went to, was not wheelchair accessible. Yes, we could have picked up Darius, who, with his wheelchair, motorized wheelchair, weighs 500 pounds. And picked him up over the six inches of concrete. But part of the goal of our trip was to document wheelchair accessibility around the country. So, you know, there's no way we're given this non wheelchair accessible gas station 12 people's business. So we drive on. The next day, uh, we find ourselves at the beach just outside of Panama City, Florida. This is Daria's first time in the ocean. We go up this gorgeous boardwalk that I say gorgeous because it's so wheelchair accessible and it takes us right to the top <laughs> of the sand. It's low tide. And sand is not wheelchair accessible. Darius's motorized wheelchair cannot get through the fluffy stuff at the top. Neither can his manual. We put him in his manual. We can't push him. So we get resourceful. Go all MacGyver on it, and we find this <laughs> mat uh, underneath. You know the public shower mat. Two of them. Grab one, put it in front of him, push into the end. Put the other one in front, of him, push in him the end. Grab the other one, and link and log our way like to the hard sand. Once we get to the hard sand. That manly urge that everyone experiences to uh, run to the to the surf took us over. 12-strong running into the water. Darius, even though he can't run, is completely consumed by the same urge he's wiggling in the top of his wheelchair. And we plunge into the water, wheelchair and all. It was one of the most amazing days of our life. We swam for half a day. Uh, Darius threw up from the salt water in the surf, and he still wouldn't get out. We actually had people checking to see if he was drowning at one point, and he pops up and laughs, and then they leave unbelievable day. We finally drag him out of the water, and he sleeps all the way to New Orleans. Next day, next night, Bourbon Street. Now, if you're on Bourbon Street with prosumer cameras and a boom pole, and you're talking about MTV and Pimp My Ride, it takes about five minutes before the mob thinks that you are MTV and that you are Pimp My Ride. We were completely consumed by bodies and uh, what's become known as the three Bs, bourbon, beads, and boobies. Um, nonstop. It actually, so it was uh, probably mid-July. It a 100-degree night. It was quickly 120 degrees with that many people surrounding us. Darius was the first one to freak out. He takes a, be- a beeline right through the crowd. Everyone's parting ways, and then he takes a ride off Bourbon Street to escape the madness. Two drunk people see him and see that we're pointing the cameras at him, and they decide they want to follow him see who he is. What they don't realize is that a wheelchair can go about twice as fast as a drunk person can jog. <laughs> so Darius is many blocks away and we see them huffing and puffing, coming back, talking about dude in the wheelchair is a freaking jerk. And we let him know that he was not a freaking jerk. And so hopefully we reached at least two people on Bourbon Street with our our message. Um, The next stop, the swamp, this is a quick one. If you have a pontoon boat here and you have a dock here and you don't have a wheelchair accessible ramp to connect them, there's only one way to make this work. And that's for the whole crew to go and stand on this side of the boat so that the boat slowly (laughs) rises up. And then Darius gets a rolling start and hopes for the best. (laughs) He did land in the boat, and uh, he had a terrifying day feeding alligators. One of the the highlights of the trip, for sure. Next day is uh, Carlsbad Caverns. You go there, and you go thousands of feet down in this elevator. And it opens up to this wondrous cavern that's millions of years old. And in the cavern, there's pathways galore. This place was so wheelchair-accessible that Darius got lost inside of it, and the only way we were able to find him is through his wireless microphone that was connected for the documentary, which begs the question if this million-year-old cave can be wheelchair-accessible, and then this gas station where we have every c- control of every rock and nail from the start. Uh, why, why is that so? And that's one of the things that we were able to capture on the 15th anniversary of ADA, which is the day we were at Ka- Carlsbad Caverns. The next day is... Uh, The Grand Canyon. Now, I also edited Darius Goes West. So it's hard for me to remember, because when I watch this footage, I can't tell if Darius was emotional at the Grand Canyon or if he just had picked up a cold in the damp cavern the day before. I have some footage of him rolling to the edge of the canyon, being contemplative, sniffling, even talking about uh, his brother and wondering, you know, what would what would it be like if Mario could see me right now? I wonder if he can see me. And then I have other footage of him rolling to the edge, being contemplative, sniffling, and then those sniffles turn into snorts, and like every 15 year old should, he hawks the biggest lugu you've ever seen <laughs> into the abyss below. <laughs> Grand Canyon was a profound moment for all of us. It was a, th- this entire trip, the crew um, these were experiences that never of us had, n- none of us had ever had. Um, it changed us and it changed two of us in particular, permanently, literally, in that we got Darius Goes West tattoos, one of which I'll tell you about a little bit later in the story. So we get to California. It's time to uh, knock on Pimp My Ride's door. Two weeks before, we had gotten some devastating news from them, uh, from the producers of the show and the lawyers, that they were not going to be able to pimp Darius's wheelchair. We were sad about it, but we are going to go meet the crew anyways as a consolation prize. We walk in. The crew so stoked to see us. These are the people that we see on TV anyways. We're stoked to see them. First thing they say is, oh, we should get your wheelchair customized here. And we're just like, oh, god, are you serious? Like, it was so dumbfounding that they didn't even hear it after we had driven all this way and done all this work and all this fundraising. But the truth is, is it, it didn't really matter. The Pimp My Ride part became a footnote of this incredible adventure that we went on. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm skipping in the story, a lot of adventures that we had. And I won't even tell you that when Darius goes home, he gets surprised with a customized wheelchair that has two subwoofers, two tweeters, Lamborghini orange paint, a television, PlayStation 2, uh, iPod, hands-free cell phone, and spinner rims. <laughs> I won't even I won't mention that part. I don't want to spoil it. Um, I want to leave you in our last day in California. We are outside of San Francisco and at the edge of the Pacific Ocean, uh, not quite to the shoreline yet. We're on the road where this um, incline of a dune is going to take us to the low tide ocean again. It's overcast. It's cold. But we got to touch it. we got to go as far west as we can. Darius will not turn around until we do. So the mat to mat strategy is not going to work down this, um, this incline. So uh, we come up with the bright idea to get a sheet. And we put a sheet down on the sand. And Darius gets in the middle of the sheet. And each crew member takes a corner of the sheet. We start lumbering down. And then we get closer and closer. And the manly urge takes us over again. And we start jogging. And we're passing like these sweatshirted families, reading, fishermen, um, crazy surfers. And they start noticing us. And Darius notices them noticing us. And he starts yelling from inside this cocoon in the sheet, dead body coming through, dead body coming through. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so <laughs> we pick up the pace, and we're about to just jump right into the water. And he sees it, and he's like, no, stop. And he stops us right on the shoreline. I'm so glad he did, because we had just the most profound moment. He just wasn't ready to get the cold shock. That's why he told us to stop. But we sit there for about an hour, just right at the shoreline with the waves lapping up. And we talked about, you know, girls. We talked about all the adventures behind us talked about all the ventures ahead of us, had this incredible bonding moment. And like most of the moments where we slowed down and thought about things, it's also bittersweet because in all of our minds, including Darius, we always wonder if this is the last time we're going to get to do something like this, because he has a fatal disease and he's very aware of it. Um, so the tide starts coming, in, and Darius decides he's ready, but he just wants to put his feet in. So we sandwich him back up in the sheet, but his, his one foot is protruding this time. And uh, I'm speaking because I watched the f- this footage a million times now, and this is th- how the footage makes me feel. So we walk, we walk out, and you know we don't want to just throw them in. We want to wait for that perfect cinematic wave. And so this one doesn't work, and this one doesn't work. And then like waves always do, that one catches us off guard, takes us up to our waist, which, Darius being parallel, consumes his entire body, and he starts screaming. And when I watch this footage, I have a similar feeling of that I did at the funeral that day, amidst you know the joy, and the and the sorrow, and I, the, he has this smile on his face that I can't I cannot describe. That he you know he faces this daily, but yet yeah, he wears this smile on his face. But if I had to describe it, I think the closest thing would be the tattoo on one of the crew members' back that says "Darius went west." Thank you.
0: That was Logan Smalley. You can find the film and more at DariusGoesWest.org. That's D-A-R-I-U-S-GoesWest.org. For more science stories, come see us live. Our next show in York is tomorrow, December 12th at Union Hall. For more about that, take a look at our website, StoryCollider.org, where we also have archives of the podcast, videos, and ways to submit your own story if you would like to be on the show. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, and Aaron Barker. With assistance from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Luke David, David Gaines, and Aaron Wolf, the theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Rose Evelith for the intro, to Union Hall for hosting the show, and to Christmas Trees for reminding me I grew up in the Northwest. Thanks for listening.